0: Hey everybody, my name is Justin Murphy and this is my podcast. It's called Other Life because it's where I talk about all the things I don't get to talk about in normal life. So if you're into it, you should definitely subscribe. And if you'd like to talk to other people interested in what I'm interested in or ask me questions or request future topics or guests, please just follow the link in the show notes. Finally, I just want to give a huge thanks to all the donors and patrons. I could not keep this podcast running without financial backers, so I'm very grateful. And I would just say that if you enjoy this podcast or my blog or my videos, please do consider signing up to give a little bit of money each month. It would really help me grow out this project, and it would mean a lot to me. So thanks a lot. Now, on to the podcast. Over and out. Today is Justin Murphy, who is somebody I'm sure you're all very aware of from when he was in the news and his recent, uh, shall we put his uh, little spats with the University of Southampton. So he's going to be speaking to us today on why he believes academia has failed, and why he believes his freedom uh, to speak and say what he thinks cannot be stopped. Thanks to the lies of today. So thank you very much. If you like to come and speak up, uh, a round of applause, please. Thank you very much for that. Excellent introduction, with the one exception that it was not my phrasing that the university has failed. That phrasing, I believe, was suggested to me by the organization here, which I'm happy to play ball with, but that's why I insisted on phrasing it as a question. Uh, I do believe the event was titled, Has Academia Failed? I thought it'd be more constructive to uh, put it in the form of a question, and therefore implicitly a debate. Because it's not... Well, then I'll get right into it. So uh, this... First, I just want to say thanks thanks for everyone uh, who decided to come out tonight, and thanks for having having me. I really appreciate the invitation. And uh, I was about to get started right into things, because the, the reason I like this as a question is because whether or not you think academia has failed depends on what you think the purpose of a university is, or what the purpose of academia is. If you want to judge some, whether or not something's failing, implicitly, you need to have some notion of what it's supposed to be doing. Now, if you think that the university or academia more generally is all about the promotion of free debate and the the vigorous pursuit of truth at any cost, I mean, if you think that's what the university or academia is about, then I would certainly say that academia has failed. I I mean, I don't even think that's very controversial anymore. But... Maybe that's not what the university is about. Maybe that's not what the university was ever about. You know, the university is a literally medieval institution. Was it really ever about the promotion of free speech or, you know, the vigorous debate of ideas or the the pursuit of truth exactly? Or has it always been more or less a kind of uh, political institution that is primarily about the containment and kind of social control of intellectuals and people who are interested in seeking the truth. You know, I think the latter is actually a much more plausible interpretation of, of what the university is. And in that case, the university hasn't failed or academia hasn't failed. In fact, academia and the university are succeeding quite well. But what might be happening is that what the, what the institution of academia really is, what it started out as, and what it's always more or less functioned as, this kind of institution of, you know, the social control of, the intellectual life, is now becoming laid bare in a way that it perhaps never has before, perhaps from the pressure of increasing digital alternatives and in a generally kind of accelerating technological environment such as the one in which we live. What I think is much more likely is not that the university has failed some sort of free speech mission that it never really had, but rather that the kind of lofty normative ideas or goals that some of us have hoped the university could or would be are increasingly uh, turning out to be myths or, uh, basically unsustainable, uh, you know, n- uh, not actualizable, uh, possibilities for, for this, you know, medieval institution that actually has always had a different agenda. So, I mean, frankly, if you ask me what academia is or what, what the university is, I mean, I mean, look around you. What, what do you think the university is? Do you really think that a bunch of people kind of built this place to maximize your education? Do you think that's do you think that's really what this university is, is ever set out to do? Do you think it really do you think anyone you know, wearing suits on this campus actually has a deep investment in the search for truth? I mean, just look around, take you know, you have to be your own judge of, of characters. I'd be curious to know what you think. I look around. I see extremely little evidence that anyone in power on this university or any university more generally in the Western liberal democracies today actually cares that much about seeking truth. Frankly, if you ask me, it looks like the university is mostly a glorified real estate business. And they happen to sell expensive pieces of paper. Other than those uh, basic realities of what the university actually does, I mean, go look at like what this university owns. Look at where its assets are. Look at what it's putting most of its attention and energy into it. It, you know, it doesn't really look like a institution of learning or education. It looks to me like a real estate business, uh, that happens to sell pieces of paper that a lot of people basically need to get any kind of decent job. And so with those basic parameters in place, it's more or less just trying to preserve itself. It's trying to uh, promote itself. It's trying to keep the balance sheets in good order and to basically make this a profitable a a profitable, a profitable business enterprise with the exception that it's not actually a business enterprise and has very uh, little exposure to actual economic competition. That's what it looks like to me. So if that's what the university is, then the question, has academia or has university failed, uh, would have to be answered in the negative. I, I don't think it's failed. I think it's doing quite a good job of, what it, of doing what it is. Uh, now, of course, what we all really want to know, and I think uh, what, what I'm going to guess you all want to know, is, you know, can the university be a place where the search for truth and vigorous debate can still be had? Is there still hope? Is it still possible? This is kind of, I think, the, the question that I uh, assume to be kind of implied in, in probably uh, the way that you all were interpreting the title of this talk, Has Academia Failed? And so that's a different question. And in that, if that's what we mean by the question of a- has academia failed, then I'm going to think, I'm going to propose, or I think, and I will propose to you tonight, that... I think the, I think there is very, very, very little hope that the university as we know it or academia as we know it will ever, will ever be the site within which, uh, the most radical truth seeking is taking place or where the most radical and effective education is taking place. I mean, uh, the prospects just don't seem very good. And I want to kind of make the case as to why. And I'll kind of use myself as a little bit of an example, not to talk about myself, but because I think uh, my case is only of interest really as a kind of mo- as one of the more recent and kind of one of the more ridiculous uh, cases, I think, of uh, a young academic, a successful, you know, kind of uh, up and coming academic, basically just surveying the scene and surveying the different uh, costs and benefits of different pathways. And as far as I can tell, academia basically has very little to offer me anymore. And it has very little it can do to stop me from seeking whatever truths I want to seek and from transmitting them and writing them and teaching them. It has very little to actually help me do any of those things. And it has almost no way to stop me or discourage me from doing those things. And if I'm correct, everything I'm doing outside of the university is actually more uh, radically approaching the truth or it's more, it's, I should say, it's, it's its seeking the truth, I think, more radically and, and more effectively than I was in the university I think I'm affecting, I'm, I'm certainly getting my ideas out to far more people than I was as, as a, a mere academic. And even things like teaching. I'm, I'm, I'm already kind of doing independent teaching through the internet. I'm basically taking all of my current, all of what were my, my, my current, uh, kind of academic functions, research, speaking, teaching, trying to, trying to figure things out, trying to figure out how things really work and then kind of tr- uh, shape the culture accordingly. I'm doing each and one of them. Uh, better now, more freely, more effectively. And even, uh, you know, eventually, I, I believe I'll, I'll be doing it even more uh, kind of financially successfully than I was in the university. And so uh, that might be because there's something weird about me, but I don't think that's the case. I don't think there's that much special about me. I think if I can do it, Certainly, almost all other academics will eventually figure out how to do it. And the way, the, the way that academia or the university is currently going, the way that it's seeking to kind of put political constraints on what can be said and taught and thought uh, and debated, um, it's just, academia is basically, um, uh, well, to use a word that I've, I've, I've used in my blog posts often, um, academia is what we might call poning itself. That's a, that's, a, that's a word from kind of uh, nerd uh, hacker, hacker culture. Um, you know, it's like a it's like a cell phone. Right. It's like an own goal. Academia is basically uh, hitting itself in the face over and over again. And I think it's structurally incapable of realizing or re- of either realizing what it's doing or course correcting that. That's basically my 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 view of it. And so I'm going to try to kind of explain what I mean by all that and make the case to you. So from my perspective, I mean, the intell- Like, if you're an intellectual, whether that means you're, you're, whether you're an academic or any type of researcher or writer, you only have one interest, really, which is to try to figure out the truth, uh, whether that be an artistic truth or a, you know, intellectual, social, scientific truth or, or philosophical truth. It's That's your work. You try to figure it out. You don't really care too much about who's paying you, or what your material interests are. You just try to pursue the truth. And then you share it as honestly as possible. If you want to be an intellectual of any kind, certainly if you want to be an academic, you have to basically live up to, the, to that to those basic principles. If you're not saying what you really think or you're kind of candy-coating certain things because they're politically contentious, you're a liar. You're not an intellectual. You're a hypocrite. And you should be shamed for it. I mean, there are a lot of academics who will say certain things, you know, uh, on the front stage and then say other things in the backstage. And I think there's way too much of that in academia. It's, it's, I think it's really quite shameful. And I think it needs to be called out for what it is. As an intellectual, all I care about is, is doing my work, trying to figure out the truth and sharing it, teaching it, whatever. Um, as for like whether I'm going to be an academic or, or what I'm going to be or how I'm going to do it, that's all secondary. You know, uh, so that's, that's all, that's, I'm not here. In other words, what I'm trying to say, in other words, is that I'm not here to reform the university. I, you know, uh, the university, uh, best of luck to it. Uh, I'm interested in pursuing the truth, and I'll do, I'll do that however you know, I need to in whatever the context might be. So I just want to m- make sure you know I'm not like, offering any solutions to how to reform the university. Uh, you all can figure that out uh, over the next few years. But, uh, so, so with that as a kind of, uh, bit, of a bit of context, um, I think that's what intellectuals have always done. Right. I think academics have always more or less, you know, they have always been looking for the truth, trying to do the best research they can, more or less, trying to be as honest as they can, more or less. But here's the thing. In the modern period, especially in the 20th century, the structure of kind of the mass communication system was such that to have any sort of uh, impact on the public on, on the public culture, you know, to be a kind of uh, an effective intellectual, you had to, you were kind of forced to make a lot of compromises. Because there were no other options before the internet. You know, if you didn't, you know, if you wanted to, for instance, uh, write a book and have that book be shared widely, that would mean you have to kind of Ideally, you'd get on TV and you'd be able to give talks about your book on TV. But if you want to get on TV, then you need some prestige, like through getting a PhD and becoming an academic. So there was this, like, big, big pyramid, I like to think of it. I, I I use this often in my writings. If you can think of, like, the period from 1920 to 1970, let's say, very roughly, as this kind of, uh, society, the communication structure of society was this, like, one big, massive pyramid. And if you wanted to kind of have any impact or communicate at all to the, to the people at the lower, you know, the masses, if you will, the large number of people in society, you had to kind of play all of these political games to climb to climb the the, the prestige hierarchy. You can think of that pyramid as a prestige hierarchy. But man, those p- people who were able to be a fancy academic and and get on BBC and talk about pol- politics, those people had an extraordinary amount of intellectual influence and, and and power. So that was kind of the name of the game for technological reasons uh you could be a kind of idiosyncratic truth seeking rebel who refused to play by the rules of what the institutions said you could uh, or or could not say or do um but then no one would ever know about your work you would you would more or less be you know like a tree a tree that fell in the forest and, and nobody heard so uh for for most of the 20th century um what happened basically because of this communication structure I'll, to put it crudely a lot of intellectuals became massive sellouts, basically. Everyone started kind of becoming, uh, very, uh, conformist, uh, really kind of, uh, remolding what they had to think and say in a way that would get them political power and, and, to rise in that, that large kind of prestige hierarchy or pyramid. Um, so the thing is that now all of that's over with the internet, that big, that big pyramid I described that kind of obtained in most of the period in the 20th century. It's rapidly disintegrating. And now what we have is uh, another kind of really simple image i like to i like to use Just, it's very simplistic it's very crude but it gets the point of, the point across quite well is now we have a bunch of small pyramids like a bewildering variety of small pyramids and some of them are bigger than others but the point is you do know you nobody any longer has to submit to the social and political conditions that are required for you know Getting onto like the BBC or the Daily Mail. Like nobody reads that shit anymore. Or the only people who do read that, that stuff, pardon my French, are like old people who, uh, more or less are only doing it from historical inertia. And those people are not really movers or shakers anymore. Right. So, um, at this point, uh, there is extremely little to be gained by climbing that, that, that big centralized uh, kind of prestige hierarchy. And look, I'm talking from experience. Like, I, you know, I've, I've been on BBC. I've done talks on BBC. I've done talks on Al Jazeera in the studio. Like, the, you know, the whole nine yards, the whole fancy prestige academic, um, you know, at, at the top of, uh, centralized media structures. I, I, I've been there. And I've also, uh, been blogging for a while and doing YouTube and all kinds of stuff for, for, for the past couple years. And, I also have data on, on, the, on all, all my website. So I track like who's coming from where. So I have a pretty good kind of, um, empirical, uh, uh, system for kind of tracking and measuring where, you know, influence and attention is, is coming from basically. And, uh, it's been, it's been stunning to me. Really, truly stunning because, uh, I've been, you know, featured in the Daily Mail. Now I'm sure some of you are aware like three times in like very sensational, uh, very sensationally negative ways. And the impact of that on my life has been almost, uh, zero, basically. Well, I guess it had some, it had some, it played some role in my kind of, uh, conflict with the university. But, uh, for the reasons I'm saying, uh, I don't actually need the university for any of the things that I'm doing. So, it, the Daily Mail articles, for instance, had almost no impact, no negative impact on my life whatsoever. And in fact, they've, if anything, they've had positive impacts because nobody trusts the mainstream media anymore. So, Lots of people, when they see that the Daily Mail is reporting negatively on someone, their psychology goes, oh, that person must be interesting and cool and trustworthy. So then they go look me up. So the only effects that the, the, the mass media coming down on me, the only effects that that, 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 that has had on me has been somewhere between uh, zero negative effects and some moderate uh, or minor, let's say, positive effects of a few people coming to me uh, and they're interested in my work and they, now they follow my blog and stuff like that. OK, so uh, that's one thing. But then all of the all of my readers and listeners who are kind of like interested in my intellectual ideas and my research and the larger project that I'm trying to pursue as, as an intellectual. Almost all of those people came to me just from finding my stuff on the Internet. OK, and so I think we all kind of know this already. What I'm kind of sharing is it's a little bit uh, well known. It's not that it's not that crazy or new. Of course, the internet is kind of destroying uh, traditional media. Of course, there's all this kind of autonomy and 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 freedom and 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 power for people to kind of create their own stuff on the internet. Of course, this is kind of old news, right? Except, although we kind of think we already know that, we don't already know that because humans are really slow to update their intuitions, and institutions are especially slow to update their their models of how things actually work, right? So basically, the, what what's been really kind of radicalized in, in my own mind throughout this whole experience, is how much of this entire institutionalized world that most of us inhabit, and especially universities, it's almost all predicated on a completely different era. Uh, and it's just increasingly clear to me now, as I'm, I'm as I'm kind of living through this, um, that there's basically just no reason any longer why any serious intellectual in the first half of their life would choose to con to conduct their intellectual life. Uh, inside the institution of something like academia, as as we currently know it. It's just increasingly unattractive for anyone who's interested in the intellectual life. And doing your own thing on the Internet is increasingly attractive. Uh, basically, the university has nothing unique to offer that the Internet doesn't have to offer. And in fact, the university has many, many uh, downsides compared to the Internet. Namely, to be an academic, you have to do um, all kinds of uh, frankly, bullshit paperwork. You guys know it. I mean, you have to, you guys have to do bullshit paperwork as your time, as a student. You know, all of the, all of the kind of unnecessary, arbitrary, uh, processes and procedures and bureaucratic, uh, you know, uh, loops that you have to jump through all the time. Um, a lot of it's not necessary. You know damn well a lot of it doesn't, it doesn't aid your education. It's kind of just institutional bureaucratic paperwork runaway. Um, like, yeah, so basically what I'm getting at is, uh the internet doesn't require me to do any of that uh anti-intellectual kind of distracting stuff and uh yeah i take a so far i've taken a little bit of a pay cut but you know um i'm going to make that up by doing really good work and continuing to do it just as i am on, on the internet so that so that's that's the the gist of of my argument here um and the the reason that the, the way that i kind of came to this this insight was when i got suspended um in the meeting where my dean gave me the suspension letter. I, I told her, I looked her in the eyes and I told her, you realize this is going to be good for me and bad for you, right? And she was utterly perplexed. She had no idea what I was talking about. And, that, and I wasn't even trying to be provocative or anything like that. But it was in that moment when it was like obvious to me and she was completely unaware of what I even was talking about. It was in that moment that I was really like, yeah, we're really living through like a major historical, uh, uh, a threshold of some kind. And so, yeah, that's, that's basically the, 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 one of the main kind of ideas or arguments that I, that I want to, that I want to put out to you today and that I've been kind of writing about and trying to explicate, uh, for, for some time now. Uh, so, so that's that. Now, <clears throat> I think we're going to see a lot of what we might call growing pains. I think, you know, we're already seeing them. We're seeing all kinds of really difficult, tense, uh, kind of confusing conflicts, cultural conflicts right now. Um, and a lot of them, I think the best way to interpret them is that it's basically the world, the institutionalized world, uh, such as, you know, the deans of a university or whatever the case might be, are kind of waking up to the fact that their entire career, their entire way of thinking, way of being their income sources, the viability of their institutions that from which they derive all of their power, that everything it's based on, the the kind of social control that it's based on, it's all being undermined by digital technology. And those people are going to fight tooth and nail to protect their interests and their income and their prestige and their power, uh, despite all of these kind of increasing alternative options. So you're going to see all kinds of weird things. For instance, some of you might realize that the university has actually become far more left-wing over the past few decades, past like two decades in particular, since the 90s, really. Um, it used to be, you know, there used to be some imbalances, some bias, uh, in some departments. Uh, but now it's become quite generally kind of, there's, there's a kind of left-wing bias generally across the board. But in the social sciences and humanities, there's now a kind of extreme, uh, le- left-wing bias in many particular disciplines. So fields such as psychology, fields such as education, um, almost across the board, it's, the professors are almost all uh, lefties, basically. That kind of thing has been increasing over the past few decades. Um, people, the, you know, when you ask people, when you give people survey questions about, you know, how much they trust the university, well, trust in most institutions ha- has been decreasing, but especially um, if you look at conservatives' views of the university... Um, trust in the university is decreasing. Then you see things like, um, the rise of, uh, all kinds of alternative, uh, information, news, and education sources on the internet, right? And that can manifest sometimes in outrageous, ridiculous stuff. But the point is that there's no longer, there's no longer locking kind of the masses into institutions. Or, you know, uh, educational institutions that they no longer want to participate in. People now can choose whatever information or education they want. And they are increasingly doing that to the point that the, you know, the university is simply, it, it, it pretends to be this kind of, uh, you know, universalistic, open-minded, unbiased, impartial thing. But in many disciplines, uh, it's not that anymore. It's actually just become like, uh, The left wing version of like all those crazy alt right YouTubers. Uh, but they have like the university has nice, nice buildings, nice like wood, wood paneled buildings, right? So like it, we're really getting to the point where like your average, uh, alt right YouTuber is basically kind of, uh, working, uh, a kind of intellectually, uh, equivalent area of, of research and teaching as uh, the, the average kind of social science, uh, professor is in some sense. It's just two different worlds, uh, with different political biases and, uh, very different interests in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the, the YouTubers want to make all of these kind of progressive mainstream, uh, institutions such as the university seem corrupt and false and blue pilled, right? And the YouTubers and the YouTubers are going to give you, you know, the real, the real truth, But, I mean, university professors basically think the same thing, uh, for themselves, right? They think they say that Wikipedia is, um, you know, unprofessional and you can't verify it. And, uh, all the stuff you might be learning on YouTube or might be reading on blogs. Oh no, you can't trust that. That's all blue-pilled. You have to go to university if you want the real truth, uh, which we're going to give you with our PhDs. Well, this stuff is all becoming extremely, uh, radically polarized. And, uh, yeah, so I think you guys, you guys get, you guys probably get that. Um, but the one thing I wanted to talk, I wanted to say briefly under this point is that, um, one way you're going to see this kind of rear its head over one of the kind of growing pains I think you're going to see over the next, uh, few years and, and for who knows how long is, uh, this, this idea of inappropriate behavior. And I have a lot to say about this because. My crimes at the university were—I never really did anything very bad, as I'm sure some of—I mean, I don't know how much you guys have really followed my case. Uh, but I never really did anything that bad. Uh, I was never even, like, charged with anything that bad. Uh, mostly, like, my crimes were crimes of inappropriateness, I, I would call them. Uh, little things I've said and done over time that uh, the, uni- the university just thinks it's not appropriate. Not appropriate. Well, I think this is going to be—this is like a buzzword that really reflects this— this uh transition between the two worlds that I'm describing here because look as I said at the top of this I think that intellectuals have to be honest about everything so for instance one of the things that I got in trouble for was someone asked me on the internet what drugs I've done it's a simple question right most adults have done some amount of drugs I mean literally like we have data on this like most adults have done some number of drugs in their life nothing too controversial about that even probably most academics uh, so someone asked me on the internet what drugs I've done and I told them what drugs I've done. <laughs> That's really all there is to it. I think if you want to be, a, if you're an academic or you're a public intellectual, you know, if you're out in public saying that you're smart and that you know things and you're trying to figure out the truth and you're willing to tell the public the truth, if someone asks you a question, you have to tell them the honest answer. I thought it was just so hilarious that I got in trouble, that this was one of my crimes uh, that, that led to my, you know, suspension and ultimate, you know, exile or whatever, when it was just Telling, I just answered a question honestly. I mean, it was like literally just answering a question publicly and honestly. If that's grounds for uh, any type of discipline or punishment, it's basically the university um, telling me implicitly that I should either um, hide the truth, or I don't know. Or, or I, I mean, that's the most charitable way I can interpret it. That what I should have done was hide the truth. I should have not answered certain questions. That there, the university is basically telling me there are certain truths that I should not share. And what's interesting about this is that this is not that, it's not that, it's not bad in any way. And also, it's not even politically biased. I think that's, that's another important thing that I want to kind of draw to your attention, which is interesting because a lot of people interpret the university's, you know, problems today through this kind of ideological lens, like, oh, it's become too left wing or, or this. But no, actually, um, at least in my case, um, the much larger issue seems to me to be all of the little things that in fact everyone knows, all of the millions of little truths, that, that's open knowledge, especially with the internet, that every everyone, everyone can can access the truth that most people have done drugs. Uh it's completely implausible to think that some professors like uh that, that that all professors never have done drugs or something like that. It's a completely implausible idea. But it's this kind of uh false appearance that somehow because of professionalism we're supposed to maintain. Uh well that's a form of lying, I would say. And uh, with the internet, there's just no keeping that from anyone. There's no way, if it's true, people are going to find it. And that is a fact of reality today. But the institution, as we know it, this ancient institution of academia or the university, uh, deeply ingrained in its most basic premises, this kind of logic of professionalism, uh, which is essentially just kind of bourgeois hypocrisy. It's basically just uh, a, a way of lying, basically. Uh, it's doomed. It, it's really doomed. There's no way that you're going to be able to maintain uh this kind of bourgeois hypocrisy in a world where everyone can and will increasingly uh figure out the truth to, that that's hiding beneath everything okay and so in that sense again going back to the question going back to the question that you all kind of set up here has academia failed or is academia failing in this regard again uh prospects uh do not look promising for this ancient institution uh in this regard it, it, it to the degree that it is kind of uh institutionally, structurally invested in kind of the prohibition of simple basic truths, just facts of, of, of the world and, and of life, to the degree that academics are not supposed to share those things, by definition, then, acad- academics are just going to become increasingly irrelevant. They're going to be seen as dishonest because they are, in a sense. And that's going to become increasingly visible and palpable to, to everyone. And so uh, the, only, the only way that all pans out Is that, you know, academia might carry on as an institution. Uh, it might stick around for who knows how long, but the actual, um, all of the intellectual life, the real truth seeking, the real debate, the real, uh, creative productions, the real learning and education and transmission, all of that in my, in my model, if I'm right, uh, unless the university is somehow able to course correct in some kind of major way, all of the intellectual life of, you know, Western liberal societies is going to increasingly exit the university. And just, uh, constitute itself in this kind of radically decentralized, fragmented way that is basically already happening. And, that, and that's essentially what I'm doing. And, um, you know, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I think I'm doing a pretty damn good job of it. And, uh, you know, like ever since I got suspended, uh, as soon as I got suspended, I was just, as I told, as I told my dean, uh, I knew that it, that it would just give me time to kind of create my own systems, create my own, uh, independent projects and develop them. And uh, it would drive some attention to me from people hearing about you know my case or whatever. And as I said, most of those people were positively interested in me. And so I, ever since I got suspended, I've just been, basically, I've been, I'm writing a book, basically, I, the, the stuff I'm talking about here tonight with you uh, is content in uh, a book that I'm writing right now as we speak about academia and the internet. And I've been blogging, basically, I've basically been blogging the book serially. And uh, I'm also even teaching on the internet. I have a, I have a monthly seminar, for instance, uh, people pay me just 25 bucks a month it's so cheap right compared to what to what you know students pay for like master's degrees uh people pay me i have like more than 10 people now paying me 25 bucks a month just for one two-hour session in groups of six i just do a kind of graduate level seminar just like i would do for the master's program here it's the same exact thing i would do in my in when i was a lecturer in the master's program here uh two-hour sessions um small groups of six And, uh, people pay me only a tiny, tiny fraction of the cost of what they were paying the university. But they're essentially, I'm, they're essentially getting the same exact thing. I already have like a a little, I think more than, yeah, more than 10 people signed up for that. And I've only just started, uh, kind of experimenting with these different forms. Uh, so yeah, personally, uh, that's, that's basically that, that's how I see things. That's my model of academia and, and of the world and of the future of, of free speech and intellectual life. And I think you're going to see more and more people doing essentially, what I'm doing, and if they're even, you know, if, 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 uh, I mean, even if I'm not any more successful than I already am, even if my projects basically uh, just keep growing very, very slowly in, in the way they already are, then uh, I will, as far as I'm concerned, I'm already, uh, you know, intellectually, politically, and financially uh, successful in constituting uh, an alternative form of intellectual life uh, relative, relative to the university. And so that's why, uh, as far as I'm concerned, Academia got pwned and I pwned I pwned this university. But I, I, I enjoy tremendously the irony uh, and the pleasure of uh, being invited to give a talk here after I owned the university so bad. So thank you very much. Exactly. Thank you very much. Anyone any questions? Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you thought that was cool, then don't forget to subscribe and it would be even cooler if you left a review. I'd appreciate that. And yeah, just to learn more about what I'm up to, you can check out theotherlifenow.com. That's all. And I will see you around the internet.